Okay, we're starting here at the two dots, middle of Samach Tet, Amur Aleph. Gemara brings the Mishnah Tanan, Avot Milachot Arbaim Chaserachat. We have an upcoming Mishnah that says that there are 40 Milachot minus 1, 39 Milachot. V'avinan Ba, and we asked or queried about that, Minyon Olomoli, what's the point of having a count? I can count the number of Milachot that are listed there. Why do you have to tell me that there are 39? It comes to teach us that if you did all of them in one forgetting, you're going to be chayav on all of them. You could possibly be chayav 39 chataot on Shabbat. It happens to be that we saw this earlier in the Mesech, the back on Tavav. Over there, they had the statement of Isi, which was interesting, that 39 of the Melachot, they had a Mesorah, that one of them was not chayav koreit. Over there, I'm saying this in this way, Tosafot points out that everyone agrees that there are 39 chata'ot. It's only the gabe karet, the chiyuv mitah, that that was said, that one of them was not a chiyuv mitah. Because over here you have a statement, and a mishnah that counts 39, which makes it sound like that there are 39 chata'ot, and everybody agrees to that. But the question is, hey, chamishka how is that possible to have these 39 melachot? Bizadon shabbat, bishigigad melachot. Right, the obvious answer is that he knows it's Shabbat, but he doesn't know that these Melachot are Asurot. So the question about Shabbat, he knows, he has that information, just missing the information about the Melachot. So in yesterday's Gemara, we discussed the Melachot between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shimon ben Lokish, about what exactly makes you into a Shogeg. Rabbi Yochanan says that if you're a Shogeg about the Karet, even though you're not a Shogeg about the Lav, that you know that this is something wrong. You just don't think you're chayav karet for it. That's called a shogeg. Reish Lakish says, you are not a shogeg until you're a shogeg belav ubi karet. Until you forget both the fact that it's restricted and the fact that the punishment is karet. Obviously, if it's not, you know that it's not restricted, you also don't know that it's chayav karet. So now, according to Rabbi Yochanan, I can explain this scenario very easily. Because Vishlam Rabbi Yochanan de Markiv in the Shagag Bikaret of Obishay Zid Belav Mishkachada, Kigon de Yolo the Shabbat Belav. So, how does that come up with a situation where he doesn't know any of the Mlachot? He's going to violate every one of the Mlachot, doesn't know a single one of them is a Surah. Yet, he's going to be Chayav, a Korban Chatat. We have to remember something to make it Shabbat. What does he remember that makes it Shabbat? So Rabbi Yochanan, simple, says, I know that these melachot are surot, I just didn't know that you're chayav karet for them, and therefore I'm a shogeg. So Rabbi Yochanan's explanation is simple. Problem is for Reish Lakish. According to Reish Lakish, he says that you're a shogeg both in the lav and in the karet, what's left? What is he remembering that makes it Shabbat? So that's the Gemara's question. How does he know that it's Shabbat? Why doesn't he know that it's Shabbat? Here you're saying that he forgot everything. He doesn't know there's a single Malacha on Shabbat. So what is making it Shabbat? So it says, He knows about the Isur of Tchumin, which is the Isur to go out of a certain area that you designate on Shabbat, becomes your living space on Shabbat. And according to Rabbi Akiva, who believes that that is a Din Doraita, that's a Din Minha Torah, you're not chayav karet for it. You're not chayav achatat on it. But that din does have a din de oraita. And Rabbi Kiva learns it out from the psukim by Umaratem Mechutz Ta'ir to teach you that you have 2,000 amot outside of the city. And because of that, he, this is referring to 
the Tchuma of Shabbat, the two thousand Amot of Shabbat. She's going to know something in Torah, a piece of information that you are restricted from doing on Shabbat, but doesn't impact on the 39 Melachot. It's something outside of the 39 Melachot. Now, the question that can be asked here is, why that? There are other items on Shabbat. For instance, the Ritva poses the question, what about Kiddush and Abdullah? How come that's not sufficient? He could be doing Kiddush and Abdullah, have no impact on the 39 Melachot. Tosafot poses a question, what about in Isra say, there's a requirement on Shabbat, there are mitzvot and Shabbat, which generate what we call an Isra say. You must do something. Implied in that is you may not do something else. So for instance, there's a requirement on Shabbat, lishbot, to rest. A positive commandment to rest, lishbot, which implies that you cannot do malachot because you're supposed to rest. So why can't you have any of these items be the answer for the Gemara? Why does the Gemara pick Tchumim according to Rabbi Akiva? So the Ritva, some of the other Rishonim, indicate that the Asay is only a derivative of the Mitzvot Lot Asay, which is interesting in general. When you have, within any Mitzvot, you have Mitzvot Asay and Mitzvot Lot Asay, how do you look at their interaction or their play? How do you know which one is primary? So in many Mitzvot, it's obvious which one is primary, and the other one is only secondary. So for instance, by stealing. The primary mitzvah is lo tigzol, do not steal. The mitzvah aseyah, shev tashivit ha-gzelah, to return the gzelah, is only there to rectify if you violate the lav. So if I want to say what the problem of lo tigzol is, then I would say it's the lo the lav, the negative commandment. The aseyah supports it. So if any mitzvah that has both a positive commandment and a negative commandment, you could ask that question. By Shabbat, the ritva suggests that the primary aspect of Shabbat is don't do work. It's the negative commandment. The assay, all the positive commandments are there only to support that aspect of the negative commandment. So to remember an assay in Shabbat is not really meaningful without any of the lot assays. To simply make it Kiddush, Havdallah, which is just designating the time in which you have those mitzvot lot assay. And possibly the law even suggested by the Isra assay, that even the Israelites say that derives here is not sufficient to be called Shabbat. To be called Shabbat, you have to be in the core of Shabbat. The core of Shabbat is Lota Malacha. Don't do work on Shabbat. You could have argued otherwise that the major component of Shabbat is to be Mikadesh the Shabbat, and the Lota say the Lavim and not doing Malacha are part of enhancing or making it that it is Kadosh, or that Shabbat is resting Shvot on Shabbat. That's not the way Ritva learns, and that's how he answers this problem. Tosafot clearly does not hold with regards to Easter essay of that problem because he leaves it as an unresolved question. He says, I don't know why the Gemara didn't use an Easter essay over here. Whereas other Rishonim say that it's just not the primary aspect of Shabbat. So that's important here in terms of what is the primary aspect of Shabbat. Is it, according to this Gemara, it seems to be the Lavim, the negative commandments, the not doing the Melacha, that's the primary aspect of the Shabbat. And any mitzvah essay or any Easter essay is simply to enhance or to ensure that those mitzvot of lotaseh are kept. So now, Mantana Lahadatana Rabbanan. Who's the author of this brighter that we have? Shagag Bazeh Ubazeh Zeu Shogega Umur Torah. If he's a Shogeg about both of these items, then that's the Shogeg of the Torah. Zeu Bazeh means both in the Shagag by the Lav and Shagag by the restriction or the punishment. The korban, whichever you join together. Then we have 
hezid bazel bazel. If he's mezid by both of them, he mezid amurab batorah or mar batorah. That's the mezid that is said in the Torah. So here it's clear when you're mezid in both aspects, then you're clearly a mezid. You're an intentional violator. If you're shogeg in both aspects, it's clear that you are a shogeg in the Torah. The question comes up when shagag bishabbat mezid bimalachot. He was a shogeg when guards to Shabbat, but he knew the malachot. Oh, shagag malachot mezid bishabbat. Oh, and this is the most important part. Omer asura. I know this malacha is restricted, but I don't know that you're chayav karban. Although, or not, chayav. In all these cases, you are chayav a korban. All these qualify as being shogeg. So none of them should surprise us except for the last one. The last one where it says that he knows that it's wrong, but he doesn't know that you're chayav a korban and the Gemara, the Breitah here calls it a shogeg, that you have a korban chatat for. Who is the author of such a position? Keman? Kamunbaz. The answer is, it's the Munbaz's position, who we saw yesterday. Munbaz believes that if you just simply forget the korban, that's enough. Remember, he was speaking with Rabbi Akiva and comparing Mezid to shogeg. And he said, just like Mezid has a yidi'ah, so too shogeg has a yidi'ah. Rabbi Akiva retorted and said, wait a minute. When you're doing the action, when you're doing the activity that's problematic, you know you're doing something wrong. So let's say the same thing by Shogay. When you're doing the activity, you know you're doing something wrong. And Munpaz responded to him and said, Yes, you're right. And the Gemara came back on the top of this Amud and said, Well then what's Shogay according to Munpaz? The answer was that he knew he was doing something wrong. He didn't know that you were Chayavah Korban for it. That is the Shogay of Munpaz. And that's what's being described in this Brighton. And that's what the Gemara says here. Keman Kemunbaz. This Brayta is authored by Munbaz. Akomodim bishvat bitui she'en chayvin ala karban achishgog belav sheba. Everybody agrees by the case of shvat bitui that you're not chayv a korban for it until you should get not only in the punishment but also in the restriction. A shvat bitui can manifest itself in a number of ways. Shvat bitui is when a person takes an expression of a shvua, meaning. He says, I will not eat, or I will eat. He takes a shvuah in the further future. Or, he takes a shvuah in the avar of the past. I did not eat, or I did eat. That's called a shvat bitui. person who is in violation of a shvat bitui has to bring a korban. So now, with regards to this korban, Abayi says, everybody agrees by shvat bitui that you don't bring the korban, you have to have not know that what you did is restricted. It's not enough that you know that it's restricted, you just don't know that there's a chiyuv korban associated with it. You must have both of those aspects. So, akol modim, what does it mean that everybody agrees to that position? Man, who is that? Rabbi Yochanan. It has to be talking about Rabbi Yochanan because he's the one who disagreed with Reish Lakish. Remember, Reish Lakish says you have to be a shogeg both by the lav and the punishment. Rabbi Yochanan said you can be just a shogeg by the punishment if even though you know it's restricted. So here where he says you must also be a shogeg by the lav, that comes to include Rabbi Yochanan to say the same thing. Now, David, what you mentioned, David answered right away, but about Munbas, that could have been the answer here. So Rashi takes up your question and says, There's no way that Abai is speaking about the machloka between Munbas and the Rabbanon. <coughs> they tell us that Munbaz is moda in this case. 
Shigiyat Korban Lohav Yishkaga. Where would he get this from? How would he know this information? It's an obvious or logical argument. In the rest of the Torah, where there's nothing special about the Korban, over there he says, when you just forget about the punishment of Korban, here you have a case where the punishment is not Karet, and you still bring a korban on it, lo again. certainly in that case, he should keep his opinion. In a case where the, he knows that it's a chiyuv karet, and yet he says it's enough just to forget about the korban, then over here, where there is no chiyuv karet, certainly just forgetting about the korban should be sufficient. So that's why Rashi rejects the possibility that he's talking about the munbaz, and it must be that he is talking about the machlok between Rabbi Yochanan and Rashi Lakish, and that's why the Gemara jumps to that conclusion. So now the Gemara continues. Pshita. Of course, Rabbi Yochanan would agree here. Ki kama Rabbi Yochanan, hecha de'ika karet. Rabbi Yochanan only says it when there's a punishment of karet. Of a hocha de'leka karet, lo. The way Rabbi Yochanan formulated his position, he says, you can remember that it's wrong, but you can forget that the punishment is karet. Well, here there is no punishment of karet, so you can't forget the punishment of karet. So obviously Rabbi Yochanan is going to agree here that you have to forget that there's something wrong here. It's because, hoil. So Gemara says, maybe, I would have thought, the fact that your chayav korban here is unusual. Throughout the whole Torah, we don't find a lav, a simple lotus, a negative commandment that you're going to bring a korban when you're in violation of it. So maybe over here, since when you have the shogeg, your chayav korban, so also over here you should be chayav, like Rabbi Yochanan says, simply forgetting the korban will be the same as forgetting karet, that that is not the case. So the answer of the Gemara is, it wouldn't have been so simple for Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan made his position, or based his position, on the fact that you can remember that there's something wrong, forget that there's a chayav karet. Gemara says, well, let's just extrapolate that to the case of Shavuot Bitui. By Shavuot Bitui, you're right, you can't forget there's a karet, because there is no karet. What could you forget? You can forget that you're chayav a korban. You can remember that you're in violation of the law, but you forgot that the punishment or for that is going to be a korban. And he would hold, basically, like Munbaz. Rabbi Yochanan would then subscribe to a position similar to Munbaz. And the Gemara's answer is, Kamash Malan, that that is not the case. That Rabbi Yochanan does not subscribe to that position, and Abayi's Kiddush is Rabbi Yochanan would agree to Reish Lakish in this case and say you have to forget the lav, forgetting the korban is not enough in this case. So Meitavei, can you really say this? Ezuhu Shigigat Shvat Bitui. What is the case of Shogeg by Shvat Bitui? Lishe Avar in the past. Sheimamar Yodeani Shishvua Zuasura. He knows that this Shvua is restricted. But I don't know if you have a korban on it or not. Chayav. You are chayav. So here he takes a shvua. Shvua lavar means he already did the activity. He either did eat or he didn't eat already. Now he's taking a shvua to substantiate that. So he says, I take a shvua that I did not eat. But he really did eat. Or I take a shvua that I did eat and he didn't eat. 
So we know the shwa that he's taking is false. So over here, this right does suggest that if he takes such a shvua, and he says, I know it's wrong, but I didn't know if I did it wrong that I'd be chayav a korban. The conclusion of that is, chayav. He brings a korban for that. Who has such a position? Who has a position that when you know it's wrong, and you just don't know that you bring a korban for it, that you are chayav? The answer of the Gemara is, hamani munbazi. That is the position of munbaz. The original suggestion of the question of the Gemara was, wait a minute, how can you believe that by Shigigat Shwat Bitui, that Rabbi Yochanan agrees to Reish Lakish, over here I have a bright thought that seems to suggest the opposite, seems to suggest that forgetting the Korban is sufficient. And that would work well according to Rabbi Yochanan in his position. Why would he have to agree to Reish Lakish? He has now has a bright thought that supports it. And the Gemara's assumption here that he's talking in the position of the Chachamim. The answer of the Gemara is this is not the Chachamim, this is Munbaz's position. And since it's Munbaz's position, it's not a question on Rabbi Yochanan Reish Lakish's belief that you have to forget both the restriction and the korban to be a shogeg in the case of Shvat Bitoy. Now the question is, what do the Chachamim do? What do the Chachamim do in terms of Shvat Bitoy Le'avar? We know what Munbaz's position is, that you remember that it's wrong, that you're doing it, you just forget that you're Chayev a korban. Now, Lahaba. When you're talking about in the future, that's easy. Because he, he makes the statement before he takes the action. So then he says, I will not eat, or I will eat. And then he can forget the Shavuah. He can forget that he took this Shavuah. And afterwards, then he takes the action. He takes the action. He eats, or he doesn't eat, forgetting the Shavuah. That's perfect. But, the Avar, how do you forget the Shavuah? Meaning for the Chachamim, how do you have a possibility? The Pasuk says, menu, that he forgets that he, the Shavuah. Not that he forgets what he did, but he forgets the Shavuah. So in the future, that's always easy. Because he takes the Shavuah first, the action comes afterwards, he can forget he took the Shavuah. But in the past, he's taking a Shavuah about something that already happened. So how does he forget the Shavuah? He's taking the Shavuah right now. So according to Munbaz, it works well. Munbaz says, you know what, he knows it's wrong what he's doing. He just forgets that he's Chayav Korban. But for the Chachamim, what do they do in that case? How do they explain the case of Avar? So Rashi says, you know what? No problem. That the Rabbanan don't think you're Chayav Avar. There's a Machloket in the Gemara in Shavuot that it has a Machloket about when you're Chayav Shavuot Vitui. Rabbi Kiva says you're Chayav Shavuot Vitui both Avar for the past and for the future. There's a position of Rabbi Shmuel who believes that you're only Chayav Shavuot Vitui in the future, not in the past. So Rashi says over here, the Chachamim must subscribe to the position of Rabbi Yishmael. They can't believe that you're Chayav Lavar. You can't come up with a scenario where you're going to forget the Shavuah, Lisha Avar. And since you can't come up with that violation, they must hold like Rabbi Yishmael and not like Rabbi Akiva. Tosafot doesn't like this answer because he says that the Rabbanan in our Gemara is Rabbi Akiva. Who was arguing on Mumbas? Remember the conversation between Munbaz? When Munbaz presented his position, who did he present it to? Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva was the rejecter of his position and says, no way, that doesn't work. Your comparison of Mezid and Shogeg, of joining Mezid and Shogeg is not right. And that was Rabbi Akiva. So if it's Rabbi Akiva who's the Rabbanan here who argue on Munbas, then how can you suggest that Rabbi Akiva doesn't subscribe to his own position that you're Chayab by Shabbat Bitoy Lish Avar? So then Tosavot says, Akein Yirak Perish Rabbeinu Shmuel. Sheshiv Rabbanan de Shigagat Korban Lav Shma Shigigat Mishkachat Shigigat Shvat Bitul Shavar Kagom. What's the case? 
שיודעה ששבוע זו אסורה, אבל אינו יודע שיש בה לאו. אז עבור שיש בה איסורה סי. זה unbelievable answer, תוספות says, אוקיי, we have to come up with a case in the Rabbanon where he forgets that it's a lav. So how do I call it? If he forgets there's a lav, then what is he remembering that's problematic here? He thinks that there was only an Easter essay. He thinks that there's a positive commandment to take, uh, let's say, truthful shvuot, and now he's in violation of that when he takes this shvuot because he's taking something that is false, not true. And by doing that, he's going to violate what we call an Easter essay, a derivative of a positive commandment, an inference from a positive commandment. So he forgets there's a lav, he forgets there's a punishment, but he still knows there's something wrong here. What does he know that's wrong? He thinks it's an Easter essay. So that's Tosafot's solution to the problem over here. Someone asked yesterday, what about Reish Lakish? Reish Lakish's opinion is that you forget both the lav and the karet. Well, if you forget the lav, then obviously you forget the karet. Why do you have to make the statement about both of them? The answer is, you could have such a concept here, according to Tosafot, where you can forget the lav, and still think there's a, think there's a problem here. There's an Isra'se. You could think that. They might even think about the punishment. You can remember the problem without remembering that it's a lav. And therefore, you have to forget, according to Rishlach, is both of these items. You have to forget that it's a lav. You have to forget that there's also a punishment of karet, because you can have this scenario where you have an Isra'se. And so that's how Tosafot solves this problem of Shviot Bitoid Me'avar for the Chachamim. Rashi just says the Chachamim don't subscribe to that. I think you're not Chayav in that case, so he doesn't have a problem. Tosafot doesn't like that answer because of Rabbi Akiva the Shitato. He's Rabbi Akiva here and Rabbi Akiva there. So he says the answer of how the Chachamim have a Shvua Avar, how do you forget the Shvua Avar? Is that I don't know it's a love. I don't know that it's a negative commandment. I don't know that there's a punishment of a Korban for it. But I do think that there's something wrong. That something wrong came from an Easter essay. That's the solution of the Rajbam in Tosafot to this problem. It's not possible to say that he didn't talk, but he had an no, because the Gemara makes it clear that it says, that he forgets the Shavu'ah that he took. That's what Rashi says. If he forgot, right, if he forgets the act, then he's an onus. He's not, that's not called a Shavu'ah to be tui anymore. And that the Gemara Darshan's in the Gemara Shavu'ah, that that's not considered to be forgetting or Shogeg in that instance. So you have to forget the Shavu'ah, not forget that you did something in the past, the action that you took in the past. Right now, we have another statement from Rabbi. Everybody agrees that by truma, that you're not chayav chomesh until you forget about the restriction. Now here, eating truma, truma is something that only Kohanim are allowed to eat. Ezar, a non-Kohan who comes and eats truma, depending how he does it. If he does it with mezid, he's chayav mitam bidei shamayim. If he eats it bishogeg, then he has to replace the truma plus add on a chomesh. Add on one-fifth in the bar, which really means 25% more. And then he has to give it to the Kohen for eating the truma. So in that case of shogeg, if I violated bishogeg, my punishment is that I repay the amount plus the chomesh. So in another scenario, it would be the equivalent of the korban chatat. So now Abayi says that everybody agrees here by the Chuma that I not only, have to, not only have to forget the punishment, the punishment being that I pay back the Karen plus the Chomesh, I also have to forget the restriction, the Lav. So again, the Gemara says, when Abayi makes that question, I'll call Modimman, who's he coming to say agrees here? Rabbi Yochanan. That's Rabbi Yochanan again. Rish Lakish, it's clear, you have to forget the Lav and you forget the punishment. So you're going to have to forget both of them. According to Rabbi Yochanan, who says that you only have to forget the punishment, the karet, according to the Chachamim, over here says it's not enough to forget the punishment. You must also forget 
the restriction. So pshita, the same thing we said before. Pshita, Rabbi Yochan, of course Rabbi Yochan says that. So the Gemara says, we would, Rabbi Yochan only makes a statement when there's karet. If the like karet, blow. When there's no karet, he doesn't make a statement. So over here, there is no karet. So madatema, what do I have thought? Mita b'makum karet omedet. Mita b'dei shamayim is the equivalent of karet. Therefore, forgetting the mita b'dei shamayim would be like forgetting karet. Just like Rabbi Yochanan said before, if you remember the law, but you forget there is karet, that's called shogay. So maybe over here too, you remember the law, you forget there's mita b'dei shamayim. That should be the equivalent case. That's what I would have thought. And being shogeg and forgetting mita b'dei would be sufficient. Kamash Malon, that that is not enough. And according to Rabbi Yochanan over here, you'd have to forget both the lav and the punishment. So forgetting mita b'dei is not a sufficient forgetting to make you into shogeg. You have to forget also that it's restricted over here. Rav Amar, Rav disagrees with the Bayi and says... Mita b'makum kareit omedet. That what we thought as the havamina in a bias statement, Rava subscribes to and says, yes, that is the case. Rabbi Yochanan believes that mita b'dei shemayim replaces kareit, and the chomesh b'makum karban kai. And the chomesh is the equivalent of the korban. And so therefore over here, if I set up the same paradigm that I have by kareit, means that in order to bring the korban, I just need to forget the kareit. By a regular chatat, I know that it's wrong. I forget that there is a... Chilv Karait here, then I bring the Korban Rishogeg. So set up the scenario here, it's the same thing. I have Mita Bidei Shemaim as the punishment, I have the Korban be the Chomesh that I pay, so therefore, in order to be Chayav for the Chomesh, all I have to do is forget the Mita Bidei Shemaim. So once I forget the Mita Bidei Shemaim, that's enough to make me Chayav in the Korban, the Korban here being the Chomesh. So Rav says basically that Rav Yochanan continues to subscribe to his position here, just like he does by Karet. So here we have a machoket by Rav. Rav did not disagree by the Shvat Vitoy, where it was only a korban, which was the punishment, and just a regular lab. But over here, when we're dealing with Mita Devidei Shemaim, which is very similar to Karet, there are small differences. Rashi notes the differences. Karet has a fixed time where you must die by. Mita Devidei Shemaim means simply that you will die before you're supposed to die. And karate affects, according to Rashi, both the individual and his offspring, whereas Mita Bidei Shemaim only affects the individual. There are differences between them, uh, and therefore you might have thought the din should be different. That's the position of Abayi. Rabbi's position is no. Even though karate and Mita Bidei Shemaim are different, nevertheless, the basic structure of this lab over here is similar to that of a Chiyub Karate. And therefore Rabbi Yochanan will continue to subscribe to his position like he does by a regular case of Korban Shogeg, Chatat, and Karet. Right, Amravuna. Now we're moving on to a different topic, a very, very interesting topic. Hayam Aleich Bamidbar. He was going out in the Midbar. He lost track of when it is Shabbat. Counts six weekdays, and then keeps the seventh day as Shabbat. He makes the next day Shabbat, and then he counts six weekdays. But Micah Mifligate, what are they arguing about? The establishment of Shabbat. The Ravuna's position subscribes to the way the world was created. First there were six days, and then Shabbat came. So so to over here, you count six days, and then you make it Shabbat. On the other hand, Khir Barav says it's like man. Man was only created on the sixth day. So man on the sixth day, what was his first 
day was Shabbat. He's created on the sixth day, and, and Chiyah Barav agrees here, that the day that you're in, you don't make into Shabbat. It's the subsequent day that you're going to make into Shabbat. So just like Adam Rishon, the subsequent day after his creation was Shabbat, then he counted six weekdays. So too for a person who's lost in the Midbar, the next day he counts as Shabbat, and then the subsequent six days he makes into a Tchot. He was going on the way. And he doesn't know when it's Shabbat. Keeps one day for every six. My love. You keep six days. And you go count six days. And then you keep the last, the seventh day as Shabbat. So my says, no, no, you can read it. That you can keep the first day of Shabbat and then count six. My says, okay, then the language is incorrect. It should read, It should say that he keeps one day for six. Our Brita says, One day for every six, implying that the six happen and then you keep the last day. If you believe that you keep the day and then the six afterwards, it should have expressed it this way. should have expressed it the other way. The Gemara thinks that the expression of it is, one for every six implies that the six came first, and then the day afterwards. Ve'otanyo. And now we have another brighter, and this is really the uh, slam dog against Chir Barav, which is, Hayam Aleich V'derech Midbar, Shabbat, Yom Echad. We have an explicit brighter that is against the position of Chir Barav. So the Gemara says, Tiyufta de Chir Barav, Tiyufta. This undermines that position of, or the premise of Chir Barav, and that you should be counting six days, and then keeping the seventh day. So that's basically the conclusion of the Gemara. But then, Rava comes to introduce a qualification of that. Amar Rava, Every day, you can do enough to keep yourself alive, except for that day when you can do nothing. So Gemara asks the obvious question. What is he going to do then? If he's only doing the minimum to stay alive each day, and he doesn't do that on the seventh day on Shabbat, then he's basically going to die on Shabbat because he can't do with the basic necessities to keep him alive. But he says, no problem. David met Parnasot. The day before he does double. But he says, that doesn't work so well. But Dilma met Shabbat Maybe yesterday is Shabbat. Why are we only allowing you to do your base necessities every day? Because we really don't know which day is Shabbat. So every day we're suspicious that this is Shabbat. So we only allow you to do the bare minimum. The bare necessities to stay alive. Then it comes to Shabbat that you call Shabbat the seventh day and we want you to do something more. So now you're going to do nothing, you're going to die. So what do you suggest? Do it the day before. Do double the day before. That's too risky to do double the day before. The day before possibly could have been Shabbat. If it was Shabbat the day before, now you're doing double work, unnecessary work on that day to sustain your life on the subsequent day. So that can't be the solution. Ella. Every day you can do the bare necessities to stay alive. So now the Brahman Kwar How do you distinguish that day? How do you, we say now you count six weekdays and keep Shabbat. But every day you're doing the exact same thing, which is your bare necessities to stay alive. What's unique about this day that you don't do on any other day? You're doing the same thing every day. Why is it Shabbat? Kiddush and Abdallah make this day unique. Make this day the special day. Now, this is very interesting. Tosafot first says, it's interesting Tosafot, he says, You can walk as far as you want every day. Except for the day that you keep a Shabbat. 
That's just as a practical issue. You're allowed to walk as far as you want every day, because otherwise you'll never get home. If you are bound by the Tchum on every day, because it's Shabbat, or a suspicion of Shabbat, it's going to take you years to get back to where you want. You're going to really be stuck there for too long. So he says, every day you can walk as much as you want, except for Shabbat. There's one that you can't have Shabbat. But then Tosfut's faced with a problem. Wait, didn't we just say, behind my minkar? How do you know this Shabbat is different? The answer according to Tosfut is, you can't go as far as you want on that day. So Tosfut answers that question is, wait, that's not really recognizing that it's Shabbat. Because a shave bi not abstaining from something, doesn't make a day special. Just because you abstain from walking on that day, doesn't mean that that day is different than the other days, because... The reason that you abstained is not clear, it's because of Shabbat. You're just abstaining because you don't feel like walking that day. feel like resting a little bit. It's not clear from abstaining that that makes it a different day. Now, right, the Gemara feels that abstaining from Malachah would be enough to designate as a separate Shabbat. So Tosva gives a second answer, Inami, you can walk as much as you want every day. Including this, all seven days, you can walk as far as you want to get you out of this predicament. That would be, part, I would say, considered part of its basic necessities. To be able to move far enough that he doesn't run out of provisions and he gets back to the Yishuv, to civilization, before he runs into a problem. Now, we'll have one more qualification of Rava, and then we'll come back again and discuss some more interesting issues here. I'm a Rava. If he remembers the day that he departed, then he can do work on that day. Now, obviously, he doesn't remember what day of week he left. If he remembers what day of the week he left, he'd be in good shape. Then he'd know when Shabbat was. What he does know is, I left three days ago. Or I left four days ago. He knows that the day that he left clearly was not Shabbat. He didn't travel on Shabbat. So if he knows that he left four days ago, the only piece of information that he does know is that that was a weekday. That means if he counts seven days from the time that he left, that day, day one, day eight, day 15, all of those days, that day he will always allow, be allowed to do malacha. Because he knows for certain that that day is not Shabbat. Because he wouldn't have left on Shabbat. So if he knows how many days ago he left, that's enough to get him at least one day free. Where says, Pshita. Of course. What else would you think? That, that's an obvious thing. Why does Rabbi need to tell you that? It's obvious if he knows what day he left, that he's cleared out. So, Wait a minute. We assumed here that the day that he left clearly was not Shabbat. But maybe even more than that. Maybe he would not leave on Arab Shabbat as well. Nobody sets out on a long journey on Arab Shabbat. So if he knows what day that he left on, maybe for sure he knows then, not only what day that he left, but also the day before should be okay. Because for sure he didn't leave on Shabbat, and he also didn't leave on Arab Shabbat. So that would give him automatically two days where he knows that he's not, he can do Malachal, because he knows for sure he didn't leave that period of two days together. So where he says, inami Shabbat nafki, treyomi. The minimum he would have left before Shabbat was Thursday. And therefore he should be allowed to always do two days of Malacha because he knows for sure he didn't leave in that two-day window. So, that that's not true. Sometimes a caravan, there is some sort of uh, mission that's leaving on that day and he needs to get there. So he leaves on a Friday. You're right. It's not normal. It's not the case that most people would do. But it might be in extenuating circumstances where he did have to leave on Friday. And therefore, he cannot make the assumption that he did not leave on Friday. He can only make assumption of one day, and that day is protected. And from then on, he can do malach on that day, because we know for sure he did not leave on Shabbat. Now, the Radbaz, 
in this case, has an unbelievable chiddush. It really relates to the issue of the international dateline. In regards to the international dateline, there are problems between the halachic international dateline and the secular international dateline, which means that you could end up in a situation that you cross over the halachic dateline without crossing over the international dateline. And when you do that, now you're going to have an issue where, for halacha, it's the next day, but for international, you know, in the world at large, it's the previous day. Or the other way around, where if the international dateline is prior to the halachic dateline, depending, again, the machloket and the shitot, where the international dateline is halachically, and based on that, you could have a case where you've already crossed the international dateline, but not the halachic dateline. Which would turn out that your Shabbat then, halachically, would be on Sunday, or on Friday, of the world's view of what day it is in that place. So, for instance, in Japan, or in places like Australia, or past, you can have these, they have these issues about which day is really Shabbat. Is Shabbat the Shabbat that the, what the world calls Shabbat? Or Shabbat, what, you know, halakhically is Shabbat, which could be Sunday or could be Friday. Again, it's not our issue here. The topic comes up really in Rosh Hashanah. That's where the main sugi is, where the Balamur talks about it. But nevertheless, it's interesting here because our Gemara says here that you can establish Shabbat. By counting six days and making the seventh day Shabbat, you can establish Shabbat. The Rebaz, based on that, says that it really doesn't matter. You can determine wherever they're counting six days and then the seventh day Shabbat, that's what you, you can establish Shabbat. Shabbat is not about which day is really Shabbat. It's not because we know that Shabbat is Shabbat, that's why we have to keep Shabbat. The reason that we keep Shabbat is because we count six weekdays, and then it's Shabbat. The reason that, then why are you chayav mita? I can make up my own six days and count, and then make the seventh day Shabbat. The answer is because wherever you are, that's the minhag. That's what they came up with as the six days. You have to subscribe to the six day count that everybody else is doing. You can't make yourself, you can't make up which six days. Where does that go away? That goes away in the Midbar. That goes away when you're in the desert. In the desert, there's nobody counting. There's no Yishuv. There's no civilization making the count of six days. That means that you can make your own count. You start six days, seven days Shabbat. According to Rabbaz, that's full-fledged Shabbat. That's Shabbat do right, though, according to this. Oh, what about our Gemara here? Gemara here made a demand that for the six days that you don't do Malacha. He says it's all an imposition to Rabbanon. If you count the six days, the seventh day would be Shabbat, and you'd be fine. The fact that the other six days you don't do it is an imposition with the Rabbanan, so this person doesn't come to think that he can make a Shabbat whenever when he comes back to the Yishuv. That's an imposition with the Rabbanan. So based on that, you know, the Rabbanan wants to say with regards to the international dateline, whatever they're counting as the six days and the seventh day of Shabbat, that's fine. Because Shabbat is not really determined by the day of the week, it's determined by the count of six days and then the seventh day. So the international dateline won't have impact. That's the Rabbanan's the context in which the Rabbanan say it, but it's a huge Kiddush here. The Rabbanan believes that each person is entitled to create Shabbat whenever they want. We're not trying to figure out when Shabbat was in Maseh Breshit. That's irrelevant according to the Rebaz. The only thing you want to do is, seventh day is Shabbat. Irrespective of when the real day of Shabbat is. That's how he explains the Gemara. It's a very big Kiddush in the Rebaz. See where he went to somewhere where they know the garland. And those people kept the day, right? So they had Sunday, Monday, Monday. They kept Saturday, whatever day. Right, it may not be sufficient, right? According to the Rebaz, that may not be sufficient. You could make Shabbat whenever you wanted because you just need to count six work days and make a Shabbat, according to the Rebaz. I mean, that's how he's basically solving it. And they've decided how they're tagging along with the rest of the world. Kind of in Kovea, what's how they're related to the rest of the world. Correct. That is really Rav Kasha, when he wrote about the international dateline, that's how he thinks the international dateline is set. By based on how do I know who came from the East and moved eastward, and how do I know who came from the West and came westward? Because they keep their days related to the place that they left, and that's how they count their days, and that's how the international dateline came about. 
He says the international date line is determined by exactly that. Which people came from the American continent, basically, and which came from the Asian continent. And how do we know where they stopped? Well, it's based on those people. They kept their date count based on where they came from. So according to that, then it would... You follow that. Right? Yeah, that's the Rukash's position that basically the international date line becomes the Allahic date line almost because of that issue. That's how they did it. They figured out which who was coming from which side, and they determined the dates that way. But that, in that case, according to Rav Kasha, obviously it's going to be different, because then really those days are determined by the where they derived from, and that would be a count that has Jews in it. But if you look at it in isolation, like the Rabbaz does, then maybe in those cases where there are no Jews there, you can make the count whatever you want to make it Shabbat. All right, now the Gemara continues. So Yudeya Ikar Shabbat. Someone who knows about the Ikar Shabbat. Minani Mile. How do I know that if you forget, it's the latter two cases, it's the uh, first two cases in our Mishnah. First two cases in the Mishnah, one is where you forget that you only bring one Korban for multiple violations of Shabbat. And the second case in the Mishnah, where you bring a Korban for every Shabbat that you violated, but not on the Melachot. So my wants to know, Minani Mile. How do you know this? So I'm Rav Nachman, I'm Rav Nachman, I'm Rav Nachman, we have two Psukim written by Shabbat. It says, B'Shamru V'nei Solte Shabbat. So one of them says, Eta Shabbat, one Shabbat, Shamru. And then the other one says, Shabbatotai, plural Shabbatot, that you have to keep. Hakeitzad. Vishamru, Vinaisot, the Shabbat. Shmirachat, the Shabbatot, Arbei. You keep Shamru, multiple Shmirot, the Shabbatachat. In the singular. So, so you have one Shmirah for multiple Shabbatot. Then Shabbatotai, Tishmoru, is the other way around. Shmirachat, the Chol Shabbat, the Shabbat. That you have a Shmirah that is both the plural in the Shabbatotai and in the Tishmoru. I have to keep a Shmirah for every Shabbat that is there. So based on that, he says, I have two Chiyuvim. I have one case where there's only a single Shabbat that is garnered by many Shmirot. And the case, I have one Shmirah for every Shabbat that is there. What's the difference? The difference is how I violated it. If I violated not knowing Shabbat at all, I didn't know about Iker Shabbat, then I have one Shmirah that covers all the Shabbatot. If I know that there's a Shabbat, I once knew there was a Shabbat, but then I forget about the fact that there's Shabbat, then I'm in violation of, if I, I knew there was a Shabbat, and now I forget it, I'm in violation of every Shabbat. There are multiple Shmirot that I'm in violation of. So that's why I know that there are two different types of punishments. Rashi makes a comment here, says lo, that the Torah doesn't tell us which is which, doesn't tell us, give us information. It says, lo masrana it's that we have the tupsukim, we have the stira, and it's given over to Chachamim to interpret for us what each one means. And they explain it to us. That's what our Mishnah is. Mishnah is explained to us when you're chayav only one chatat, and when you're chayav multiple chatatot, chatot. Matigivarav The Just the opposite makes sense. Because, and this probably does make more sense in the reading of the psukim, he says, Vishamru v'nezot shabbat Shmirachat, Tuchol Shabbat v'shabbat. Right, it's Shamru, you must keep in Israel each Shabbat, in the singular, but it's telling that every single Shabbat that you must keep. That means, it's a general statement. All my Shabbatot, you must keep. Now, the only difference between the statement of Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak and the original statement of Rav Nachman is just just which Pasuk means which. Their conclusion is the same. That you have one situation where you're going to be have one chatat for everything, and you have another situation where you may have a chatat on every Shabbat. And again, that's defined by our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says when it's a case where, depending, we had yesterday the machloket about what the first case in the Mishnah is. Everybody agrees in a case where he was knew about it when he was four years old and then totally forgot about it. 
that that's a case where he forgot the Ikar Shabbat and he only be have one korban for all the violations. Question of Tinuk Shinishba, if he's Ipatur or is he also included in that? But that case, you'll be have one korban for all the violations of Shabbat. In a case where he was aware of Shabbat, he knew about Shabbat for, for a duration of time, and then he forgot for a number of weeks. In that case, he's going to be chayav, I'll call Shabbat v'Shabbat, which is the second case in the Mishnah. And those are both defined by the psukim that we brought over here. Okay, we'll stop here.